Welcome back to DQP Does, the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network movie review show where we get what we fucking deserve. With me this evening is my co-host, Russell. <laughs> who apparently is Jared Leto. Uh, we also have Dave. <laughs> you gotta, like, choke a little. Oh. And then I... That, that that's a good one. That was good. Look at me, I'm the Joker. Hey, it's yeah. Dave. That's Dave. Uh, we have a special guest this evening. We got Mike. Hey. Yeah, you don't have to do it. I thing. wasn't prepared for a laugh. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, um, uh, that like frightened and aroused me at the same time. Cool. Um, we're. Completing, concluding, yeah, that's the one I was looking for. Concluding our March Batness uh, on the last day of May. This is going to come out in June, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, the Joker from 2019, rated R, two hours and two minutes, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, directed by Todd Phillips. Everybody always talks about Todd Phillips when they talk about this movie. Yep. Um... Because it's fucking weird he did this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, as far as a, just a, like a uh, quick synopsis, it's basically like the, like a, um, an origin of a Joker. Yeah, Not that's Batman's the way I Joker. like to say it. We don't think it's Batman's Joker. Um, maybe an inspiration for Batman's Joker? Yeah. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix plays, uh, Arthur, what the fuck was his last name? Fleck. Fleck. Um, and he is a mentally disturbed individual, um, who is having some serious problems in his life and eventually goes off his medication and does some crazy shit. Um, including shooting live on air his, basically his, like, idol. Huh? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Is what? I said is Jay Leno. Yeah. 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 But like... Uh, Murray. Yeah. Murray. Uh, Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin, and he's a, like a talk show, like late night talk show host. And um, Arthur and his mom, Penny, watch him every night, and he's kind of like idolized him. And like he has... Bed. Yeah. Uh, weird. Um, and yep. he has like fantasies... About being on the show, yeah, and stuff. Um, and it's kind of Murray's kind of been his like father figure yeah. in his life, yeah. yeah, in his head, yeah. Um, and eventually everything goes so fucking sideways that he he does get on the show, and then he fucking shoots Murray in the face. Uh, it's interesting the way this was described <laughs> in like the, uh, um the little blurb on HBO because it calls him a, a criminal mastermind. Yeah. He just kind of like <sighs> flux into everything. Everything yeah. that happens to him just kind of happens to him. Yeah. So like I was thinking about this, like something that, um, something that we talked about in the dark Knight episode. I don't know if you listen to that one, Mike. Um, yes. Where we're talking about, um, 
God damn, I just can't. I'm fried. I can't Heath think of people's names. Yeah, Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's talking about him being an agent of chaos, right? And like just a dog chasing cars. He wouldn't know what he'd do if he caught one. But he is actually like a ma- like a mastermind. Like yeah. he's the opposite yeah. of what he says. Like he's making chaos, but it's very orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Um, where this version of Joker is complete opposite. He's just doing shit and getting away with it. And yeah. miraculously, yeah, um, bringing guns into children's hospitals, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's also like it's also mm-hmm. supposed to be like was like the seventies or eighties, something like that. Um, Does it say eighty? It was yeah, based off of New York City in eighty one. Okay, so yeah, early eighties. Yeah. Um, it happens in Gotham, and it it involves it uh involves the Wayne family, um, uh, Thomason. Martha. Martha! Um, Why'd you say that name? They they die towards the end. Yeah. Inspired by this Joker. But not by this Joker's hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's Joe Chill and the... Yeah. <laughs> it's... So, I don't know. It's it's interest, It's an interesting take, and I, I think it's really enjoyable. Um, yeah, this is my first time watching it. And I, oh, really? I oh, really shit. dug it. Yeah. Yeah. Really? First time. It's my second since seeing it in the theater. I think it's my second or third. But oh. yeah. Well, I I'm might gonna... seem disturbed after saying this. I think it's my sixth. Wow. <laughs> Damn. I it's super fucking dark, but Oh yeah. yeah. It's I, dark. I loved it. Some of it's hard to watch. Um it's got a little bit of like a I don't know if I everyone else figured that it, it got like a taxi driver vibe oh, yeah. spots. Very much oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely inspired by Yeah. And De Niro's in it, so he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy, easy to connect that dot. I love um, when De Niro plays a dick bag. Yeah, he's good at it. Yeah, Barry. Cape Fear, he's great in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's good in this movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think everybody in this movie did a really good job. Um, I, I'm interested uh, in the in in people's uh, ideas about the portrayal of Thomas Wayne. Um, I'm also wondering, like, in, in that same vein is like, is this sort of from Arthur's perspective, sort of, and is he like an, uh, unreliable narrator kind of? Yeah, I think Cause so. it's, it's not narrated, but like everything's yeah. about him and like, there's definitely parts where you're led to believe in his, his hallucinations. hallucinations. Yeah. yeah. So... And then later he realizes that he was hallucinating and it puts him in an even tighter downward spiral, right? Um, so I was wondering what you guys thought about the portrayal of Thomas Wayne because Thomas Wayne is like not put in a good light in this, where in that's everything right. else he has been. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a real, I feel like that's a really good place to start. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I do think that the entire movie is like you like watching this all play out from uh arthur's perspective sure and like you're supposed to really get a sense of how he he's been treated and like how life has been pretty much unfair to him Mm -hmm. um because like once again we have a situation where and this does it better because like you really like heath ledger's joker in dark knight like like he's a bad guy and you know he's a bad guy but he's 
but he you, was charming. He's charming, yeah, and yeah. that's the danger of it. And you like him, yeah. whereas like Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal, I feel like you wouldn't want to be like that guy. Yeah. Like you're like watching it, and you're like, okay, but like you can't like this isn't a Joker to idolize. Yeah, which he's either where, sad or creepy. Yeah, which is where I feel like this movie like does justice to like the Joker's character, or at least how he should be portrayed, because yeah. we have a problem with like modern media that wants to like idolize the villain and want, sure. like you, you it's okay to understand where the villain's coming from while also being like well you know the villain's kind of wrong but even with that even with like you know you wouldn't want like his mental illness you wouldn't want the uncontrollable laughter you wouldn't want those things there's still aspects of this joker that's relatable like the three dudes on the subway. Like I'm not convinced. There's nothing in this movie that convinces me those three dudes didn't deserve to get shot because they're they're berating this woman. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know where that's going to go. No. Like, like you, you know, and he Arthur, didn't even actually intervene. No, he just was like he like distracted them yeah. with his weird laugh condition thing. Yeah. Um, which I think is also an amazing turn on. It, the the idea like the staple of the character right um mm -hmm. and so you get this like sense that he's like he maybe he wants to and maybe he already dislikes these guys because of this thing that happened and then they start fucking with him and then once again he's on the ground getting the shit kicked out of him yeah which like another thing this movie does well is like show you kind of what it would feel like if you were on the ground getting the shit kicked out of you whether it be by a bunch of 14 15 year olds or like grown men like it's that's not a good position to be in like that yeah, is a no, very it's, deadly situation yeah, not to good. find yourself in and movies don't usually just like a guy falls down and the dude gets kicked in the guts once or twice and then he's back up and running around like that's, that's probably not gonna happen like there's a good chance someone's gonna get ruptured or someone full-on kicks you in the fucking stomach yeah yeah but you, know. you also get the idea that he's been in that situation many times before because he covers up yeah he turtles exactly yeah. how you're supposed to yeah. yeah you know and he like kind of you know he does that and then he's he's just very vulnerable and you have this like super vulnerable character and to watch it play out i got distracted from talking about thomas wayne but anyway so you get this whole sense <laughs> yeah of like it's the lower class versus the one percent which yeah. is like is yeah. a huge problem in our country and, you know, no one really knows the answer or the correct way to fix the situation we've fallen into. Sure. So I feel like this movie shows you how bad it can get without uh, glorifying the violence and glorifying the situation he's in. Whether or not you do get some sort of, like, heightened sense of justice out of the situations happening is one yeah. thing, but it, it still doesn't, like, full-on glorify it. And I think Thomas is, like, I think this is the best portrayal of Thomas Wayne. Because um, you actually get, like, a sense of maybe what he's like. Whereas, like, the other ones are all from Bruce's perspective. So he was, Bruce like, this idolized. upstanding guy. And, like, yeah. he's being idolized. And, sure. you know, Bru the problem with Bruce's character is he is, like, he's he's a rich kid. Like, you know, he, like, goes out into the world and he, like, tries to help and tries to do stuff but he's never really going to connect with the lower class the same way. And so I feel like this movie really hits like a, hits like a, a really nice note while just like balancing the scales. So mm. like, I, I like the portrayal of Thomas because like, we shouldn't always see him as like the great upstanding father yeah. that got shot in an alley. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, I think it's somewhere, I think, like, the actual person, if it was a real person, would probably be somewhere in between the two portrayals, but, like, this, it's a, it's interesting to think about it if it's, if it is just from Arthur's perspective that he is, like, kind of this asshole that, like, is just trying to clean up the riffraff and, like, says the clown shit and stuff like that. Um, or, or is is he like making this up because he hates him because he thinks he's his dad right yeah. um and that he abandoned his mother um or and before that his mom always talked him up and you know he like disagreed with her about it yeah and she, um, she always she's like about Thomas yeah, mm-hmm. he's on the news, and he says something about every previous employee. And is, yeah, and you know, she's like, "See, we're family. family. He's yeah. a great person and stuff." While they're living in like a damn near dilapidated, yeah, housing complex. Right. Like it, it's. Well, I mean, like that's what would happen, though, right? Like if you if yeah. if somebody goes to Arkham or any other like mental facility, and they don't have a support system coming when they come out when they get spit out. They're just—I don't know why I went through puberty there. We're both going through it this week. <laughs> um, but like, when you get spit out and you have no support system, then I mean, that's where you're going to end up. If, if I mean, she's probably lucky that she didn't end up homeless. You know, where wherever they were getting enough money to pay for that apartment from, if it was yeah. from Thomas, like giving them checks or what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. And Arthur says the perfect thing later when he's on the talk show. He said, you know, he's like, he's like, everyone's crying over these three Wall Street guys. Yeah. But if it was me laying dead yeah. in the gutter, you'd walk right you past just, me. Just step yeah. right over me. And that's a very true statement. Yeah. Like, all, like, if you're somebody and you get murdered, and there, you know, it's a big, big kerfuffle, but like, homeless people literally get murder, murdered every day, all the time. Yeah. You know, for gang initiations to I mean, you some lived, dude trying to get you his You lived kicks. in a big city. Yeah. I lived in a big city when I was growing up. Yeah. And it was like, it was like that, you know, it yeah. was like every day you, I would wake up before I went to school and it'd be like, yeah, you know, somebody got shot on this corner of the street in the street. Somebody got shot on this corner of the street in the street. Somebody got stabbed on this corner of this street in the street. There was a home invasion over here, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then it, it, but it was like all 15 seconds. And then they're like, and then at this high school, we have this puff piece, blah, 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 blah. And like they'd spend like five minutes on that, and it's like yeah. they didn't actually give a shit about any of those people yeah, that no. died. They didn't t- say their names. They didn't talk to their families. They didn't do anything. And then they were talking about some like bake sale or some shit for five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, because it didn't matter. They didn't give a shit. And like, I mean, that's how it really was. It really is. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still, like, today, like, it's, I mean, it's gotten worse, but... But we'll talk about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock for, like, three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a good point, too. Like, you know, look at all the money that's spent on the Oscars. Like, how many homeless shelters and how many people could be helped instead of, like... Like, I'm about entertainment and I'm about cinema. Yeah. But, like, do we need the parades for these celebrities? Like, couldn't that money be spent in better places? Could be. Like, do they need to be touted out on a red carpet, like, to be given awards for the thing that they're doing? Like, I don't think necessarily. Like, yeah, it's it just a bunch of them be... stroking each other off, and like, yeah. they 
Some of them have said as much. Yeah, like, yeah. and as mad as you might be, and if you're one of the people that's currently mad at Ricky Gervais, like, I recommend going and looking at, you know, his, uh, I think it was like 2000, his 2016 Oscar speech, like, where he's not going to ever host the Oscars again because he sat in that room with all of those people and told them all they were fuckbags. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. so you do awesome. have some of that, but also then at the same time, like, where is the line? Because like he's also like a multimillionaire that could be probably doing more. I mean, he does he does do stuff. He does help and he does donate money. But you know, like at what point in like at what point in time do you should these people be going broke to help other people versus like actually conserving their money and maybe spending it more responsibly? But yeah. I mean, if you work for something, you deserve to be able to spend it but like some of these people in like our country and like in this movie like some of these people like are in these bad situations like and they're never going to get out of it yeah like without help right and i mean that's what that's the whole point of social services and what those safety nets social safety nets are supposed to be there for but like it's also like not run well uh it, it never has been yeah and, and it shows like, that too where yeah. she's like they, yeah, they, well, they cut, cut the our budget yeah yeah so where was Thomas Wayne when the budget got cut for social services? Yeah. Right. Well, you know? see, and like, that's another thing, like, but so like, that's a thing that they go into in some of the other movies and like some of the other media about Batman and stuff. Right. It's like, um, Thomas tried and Bruce tries more when, when, you know, afterwards when he's Batman and stuff, but like he was maybe naive Right. Yeah. He was giving money to people, being like, "Hey, you, you know, Mike. Hey, you run this this whole thing, or you put money where it needs to be. Here's this much money. I want this, this, and this to, you know, get money, and then you pocket half of it and give a th- another third of what's left to some gang or whatever, and then mm-hmm. whatever's left gets a plaque that goes in those places that." you know, or Thomas asked for, and, like, that's what happens in some of the shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, add 20% to uh, accommodate the corrupt. (laughs) Like, yeah, you you don't... I mean, he's just... But, but, like, you know, that's... And and that's what happens. Yeah. That's that actually... That's real. Like... Yeah, that is... There's a lot of... There's a lot of that that happens. There's a lot of, like, charities and stuff where it's like, you know, they have a, a CEO that makes millions of dollars and a all these executives underneath them that make millions of dollars. And then yeah, everyone under that is volunteers. So they don't have a workforce. So then they're like, okay, well we pay these many, we have to pay these many people and they just like funnel all of that into the executives. Yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, we actually, we're a nonprofit and we made money this year. We need to make it look like we didn't make money. So give the CEO a raise. Yeah. What about like, why not just give it to the volunteers? Like, why does it have to trickle up? Yeah, it's definitely not trickling down, and it's not going yeah. out to the what the point of the charity is—the actual charity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, like, I'm not like trying to defend Thomas Wayne. I'm just saying, like, there's, there's like ways that it, it this is like that is like not, not necessarily his fault. His fault yeah, right? and I agree with that because like when you when when you have Thomas Wayne who has all this money, he has and he has so many other things he has to do and so many things going on in his life. He can't literally go track every dollar. So he yeah. has to find people that he like kind of, you know, hopefully trusts that sure. will do the right thing when he gives them the money. Yeah. And then I mean more often than not, he's not going to. 
like 85%. I mean, all statistics are made up, but like, I mean, in Gotham City, I think 85% of the time it's getting put into somebody else's pocket yeah. and not yeah. actually going to the charity. Gotham is corrupt as fuck. Yeah. But I mean, Gotham is like the perfect. Gotham is the is the perfect microcosm for like America. Like it is, like it really shows you the underbelly of yeah. It's what like our Gotham is like is. is like the worst, and then Met- Metropolis is There's what the, we want to be. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the quote unquote <laughs> right. utopian like city. Like I don't know this. I just think that this movie does such an amazing job with like tone and speculation and showing you like how hard it really is and then it does have like like some of the theatrics are a little upscaled but i mean it's really rooted in reality like because everything that happens in this movie is entirely realistic Mm -hmm. and like could happen you know Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there's no like crazy action sequences yeah the craziest you get is at the end with the car accident yeah and like the riots they talk they talk about the riots like progressively getting worse (laughs) throughout (laughs) yeah i've been in a car accident that was that bad yeah they talk about the riots progressively getting worse throughout the movie, and then just like that's the other thing I love about the movie too is because like it's so subtle that all hell's br- about to break loose. Yeah, which like, is like what we're literally tension. watching in our country right now. Yeah, like sure. everyone's like, "Oh, crazy shit's happening," but it's very subtle. Yeah, yeah, Eventually, but like that's what was breaks. going on in like the seventies and eighties. You you know, like Mike said, it was it was based on New York in eighty one. Like, yeah, that shit was really happening. Like there was like strikes and stuff that were like yeah. fucking up. You know services like trash collection and i mean that's just that's a problem in new york city anyway you know, cr- trash collection you yeah. know i've i've seen a bunch of like um posts about that on reddit and stuff they're like yeah. talking about like what it's really like to be there and you know editor barry's been been to new york city and he's like yeah yeah it fucking stinks like <laughs> yeah cassie went a few years ago to a taylor swift concert yeah and she was like texting me and she was like, it smells so bad here. Yeah. Like that's fucking wild. Yeah. And you know, it's just because of, there's so many people so close together and like, it's, it's almost impossible to run that kind of infrastructure. But like, you know, previously when, if they start not doing it, then it just becomes fucking a hundred times worse. Right. Yeah. Um, and like as bad as we've ever seen it as far as money goes uh like you know recessions and stuff mm-hmm. um it was probably as bad then and like i don't know people didn't have cell phones and tv and video yeah, games to, to like to hang out in their to house distract to, them. to distract yeah. them from it so they were like out in the street <clears throat> yeah like, or or like the transfer of information like yeah. it's so much faster now than what it was. Like, yeah, so 80s. like here in Indiana, we probably didn't know about it unless they were talking about it on the evening news, and we were probably just like, "Wow, that's fucked up." Yeah, I'm gonna go farming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pick some corn. Yeah, like, I, then, I don't know what the fuck was going on like, in '81 in Indiana. You have the people that are like, "Well, statistically, everything is better now than what it has been ever in America." Sure, and like, it doesn't fucking feel that way. <laughs> No. So but yeah. I mean it's it's a ebb and flow, right? Like it's it's gonna go up, it's gonna go down, it's gonna go up, it's gonna go down. Like we're never gonna have like a perfect utopian until we reach Star Trek society. I mean, even then it's not perfect, right? All right. 
Yeah. Yeah, because of space aliens. I didn't watch much Star Trek. That was still, just my little... <laughs> I, we've talked about this a couple times where we're like, we're like right on the edge where it's like either in the next five years, the world's going to end or we're going to get Star Trek. Like, it's like... End or Star Trek. It's, it's, it. It, I mean, that's where we're at. It's like this weird precipice where we're like walking... We're walking down a really thick knife and it's slowly getting thinner and thinner as we go. And like, we're going to fall off one side or the other. And it's just like, which side we end up falling <laughs> off of. I yeah. love Star Trek. Yeah, I vote Star Trek too. Fuck. Yeah, I do too. And that was my little, that was my little like dig at people that are like, keep politics out of Star Trek. Star uh, Trek Star was Trek's always, always political. political. <laughs> But this movie, anyway, what most, do you guys most think? Stuff, <laughs> most stuff that people bitch about, like, keep the political stuff out of Pink Floyd. Like, it's always been political, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's always been. Always has been. Should, like, you know, giving... fucking system of down doesn't need to be political. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> listen to the name. Just um, like, was it Tom Morello? Like, yeah. Play yeah. your guitar. Like, uh, he's in a band called Rage Against the Machine. He yeah. also has like a master's yeah. in You might not sci. need to yeah. have a poli sci <laughs> degree to understand this thing, but I just so happen to have a poli sci degree. Yeah. Yeah. He knows Get more than you. Fucked. But yeah, anyway. Anyway, Dave, Mike. Yeah. What do you guys think about Thomas Wayne? Yes, I have to kind of jump in when you when you yeah. can on this podcast. I've learned that. I don't. Know, I think I think the movie is definitely mostly like Arthur is the narrator. Um, so I do think that he's seen Thomas, or we're seeing Thomas through his perspective. But like you can tell that, um. You know, as soon as he realizes who Arthur is, then, you know, he starts thinking about Penny Fleck and like he's obviously already dealt with yeah. this huge, awkward situation and he just like he's got no time or energy for it, which I mean, I mean, the whole movie really uh, revolves around the theme of like empathy and yeah. no one yeah. having any no one having it. <laughs> yeah. and so you know the i mean it's already thomas wayne is going to be like perceived as an asshole yeah. anyway right yeah. but yeah like i mean if anyone in this movie could just like explain things to arthur maybe he wouldn't like go down the next step of his like kind of just yeah. descend into madness like yeah, yeah i think the, the closest nobody helps him yeah i think the closest we got to that was alfred but like alfred was just trying to defend bruce and he was just like no 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 i mean like i've already said too much get the fuck out of here yeah. he like sort of says what's going on and like arthur doesn't believe him yeah but he doesn't reiterate he's just like well i ain't got it's time like, for how, you how how would you expect this i mean he's what He's 30-something. 30, yeah. yeah. Like, how would you expect a grown man to take this news when, like, he just learned, like, oh, I guess Thomas Wayne is my father. Yeah. And then, so he tries so to some deal with guy. that head on. Yeah, and some random and guy's like, like, no, bro, you were adopted and your mom's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, that's a like, lot to lay Whoa. on someone. To- <laughs> and I, I would say that, like, Alfred's kind of a dick about it. But he once is. again, yeah. like, it's from Arthur's perspective. So, yeah. like, I honestly think the closest we got to someone helping him is the clerk at the mental institution. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Festus. <laughs> uh, which, like, I really like that scene, and I actually love that he is the closest that anyone came to trying to actually help Arthur because he's yeah. like the random person that he's never met before. Yeah. yeah. He's the yeah. random person he's never met before. And he like is not too far off. Like he can't be like, he's a clerk in a mental facility. He yeah. also, his like, own therapist probably doesn't makes, help him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, you know, he God. probably makes five fifteen an hour, like working as a clerk. So he probably 80s. is, yeah, I don't even know if it was five fifteen. Yeah, I don't know. Probably way less than that. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's probably the closest to Arthur's level out of all the people that Arthur interacts with. Because yeah. like you would think that Alfred would know how to handle the situation, but you know, he said he's probably in his thirties, so we have like a younger Alfred, and he's like still is like a prim and proper dude. So he's you know he's probably kind of like get this fucking freak away from me. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking up minimum wage in 1981. Yeah, I guess, like, I would agree with Mike, you guys. Like, it's definitely shot in uh, Arthur's perspective. Perspective. So, mm -hmm. 335 an hour. Oh, damn. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Which, adjusted by inflation, is actually $10.11. <laughs> so, more of a livable <laughs> wage than what we have today. Sweet. <laughs> Dang. I have so much hope. Uh, Living well, high in the hog, big boy. That's what Grandpa would say about that. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, like the point of this movie isn't really to give you hope; it's to be shine like, see a how light fucked on, up this shit is. Yeah, yeah. showing does, you like how bad it can get. Does, a, good does job. a great job at that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've not. This is my first time watching it. Sure, I've seen like some scenes and stuff. I've seen like the part where he shoots De Niro. It's like mm -hmm. you, you get what you fucking deserve. Uh, but also like what took me back is like how much fucking weight uh, Joaquin Phoenix lost. Oh he looks, my god, he looks dude. so bad in those. He scenes. dropped about sixty pounds or so. Yeah, within yeah. like six weeks. Yeah, yeah, it was like real, real short amount of time. Like he was and, just eating mm, an apple. A I don't day. have to call him and see what he did. Just an apple. Just, an just apple. Just an apple. A day. That's it. Yeah, he didn't have like a trainer or a coach or anything. How long till your wedding? You think eating. I could eat an apple a day <laughs> from now until then? I, as a freelance, non-degreed nutritionist, I don't think that you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Two apples. <laughs> Two apples a day? Oh, this is random. It has nothing to do with anything other than that sentence that... Uh, Dave just said, um, I saw a guy that tried to live on the, uh, the D and D rations, um, oh, yeah, for like a week or something. And it's basically in the DM DM manual dungeon masters guide. Mm -hmm. It says that it weighs like a pound and three, uh, red delicious weigh a pound. He's like, I can only eat three fucking apples in a day. <laughs> it was like a pound, a pound of food, and it didn't really say what the food was, mm. uh, and a gallon of water. So he like just would like figure out what a pound of food was and eat it, and then he would drink the gallon of water, and he like was dying by like the third day and quit. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> Mal malnutrition, Achilles. Rough, yeah. Quick. I, I tried keto for like three days. And I was at work, and I wanted Did to punch every single person in the face. Mm -hmm. And then we had sandwiches, and I felt better. <laughs> oh, <it's> just, yeah. <laughs> the Snickers commercials are real. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 
not to go on like another rant, but to go on another rant, uh, the like some of those diets, like especially keto, like some of those are meant for like people who are already healthy. Yep. Yeah. So like, for me. not to call you out. No, you but, call me out. Like, fine. People don't really realize that sometimes they're like, well, this person lost 200 pounds on keto. And like they weren't healthy, and they probably weren't healthy when they started it. But not everybody's body, everybody's body is the same. So like yeah, you have yeah. to be super. You have to basically just pay attention to what's happening in your body, and then like figure out the things that are like affecting you, and adjust your diet or nutrition or supplements as 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 you're doing it. Like you can't just like go all in on fucking keto and expect the same results as someone else and. Like, it's just not something that's talked about enough. Even amongst, like, nutritionists, like, they're just like, yeah, go go do this thing. Like, you'll be fine. And, like, sometimes people aren't fucking fine. Like, sometimes they do permanent damage to their body <laughs> yeah. for the rest of their life. Like, they're never fine. Or they get really mad while they're driving and they run somebody off the road and go to prison. Yeah. That's too specific. Uh, that was very specific. <laughs> sounded a bit telling. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, his his body when he has his shirt off like bothers me because it's so non symmetrical. He also yeah. like mm-hmm. puts himself in very like Weird. uncomfortable. Yeah, he like poses. He, mm-hmm. At first, I was like, "Man, his the whole left side of his body is fucked." And then, like at one point in time, I was like, "Wait, he's like doing that. He's like mm-hmm. posing, like, like yeah, <laughs> like one side of his body higher than the other, and it's fucking makes his shoulder blade look weird and shit." Mm-hmm. But also, like Joaquin Phoenix is like his body isn't. He does have like issues. Yeah, yeah. He also like his spine is sharp as fuck. Yeah. It looked like it was a goddamn thin. <laughs> yeah. Did you say what you wanted to say about Thomas Wayne? Did I? I don't know. But no, I pretty much just say everything else is like, I think it's more Arthur's perspective. Yeah. So, like, something that about that, as far as it being Arthur's perspective, we don't really get anything from anything, like, showing anyone else, really, right? Like, the whole movie shows... Yeah. Shows Arthur. Like the whole time, yeah, he's in every scene. So there's like a couple confusing parts. Like the gun is confusing, sure, because like you see, the fuck is his name, Randall? Yeah, yeah Randall. Randall. You like see Randall give him the gun, mm-hmm. but then halfway through the movie, you're at a point where you're like, oh, I should be questioning everything that I see. So sure. like, th- I wonder if Arthur actually got the gun from Randall. Because mm-hmm. Randall tells their boss that he was trying to buy a, a 38 special from him. Yeah. Like a few weeks ago. So the way I took that was that Randall was a piece of shit and he was trying to get him in trouble. That's what I did yeah. too. But now looking back, like it's Arthur's perspective. Right. It, yeah, it, it could have yeah. be either way. Yeah, but then like no. Randall shows up at his apartment too. So there's like evidence to back both sides because Randall shows up at his apartment and then wants to know like, you know what he told the cops and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he's basically trying so to like, line their stories up. Yeah. So it makes him look like he was full of shit when he talked to the cops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was going to talk about that scene. That was a fucking gnarly scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking kills Randall and the little the little guy that was with him. Just like, oh. Trying to unlock the door. Trying to unlock the Dude, door. Fuck. Oh, God. Uh, okay. While, well, yes, being funny to 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 a certain degree... I feel so bad for him when he can't reach the fucking yeah. door lock. Like, yeah. I'm just like, oh, dude, he's got to fucking ask him. 
Like every time I'm like, yeah. he has to turn around and ask this dude who just murdered his friend, their friend. Yeah. Violently like, murdered their friend. Yeah, violently. And then Arthur's just like, oh yeah, sorry, dude. Here you go. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I do like that because it, yeah. it shows like, and that's kind of like a trope of like the psychopath, like that loses his shit because he's been bullied. Like, yeah. well, you were always nice to me. So mm-hmm. you can live. Yeah. And like, so he's also, guy yeah. Him. And it oh. also makes sense too, on like a degree, because like, you know, the, you know, the little guy has been like bullied and fucking, you know, and you know, Arthur's seen it and like, yeah, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for Arthur to let him go and also not murder him. Cause like Arthur, for the most part, like kills bad people in this movie. <laughs> like the taxi driver. Yeah. yeah. Although he does kill his own mother. He does. Mm, well, you bad know, people, bad people. So, talking about Arthur's mother, uh, a parallel that I think is funny um, is Arthur's mother is played by... Francis Conroy. uh, Francis Conroy. Francis Conroy also played Barney Stinson's mother in How I Met Your Mother. In How I Met Your Mother, there's an entire arc where she has led Barney to believe that his father is Bob Barker. (laughs) (laughs) I liked the... Uh, kind of parallels between her, um, like hallucinating or materializing a relationship with Thomas Wayne, yeah, and Arthur making up a relationship with Sophie. Sophie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember the first time watching that, I was like, "Man, this is a really bizarre kind of couple." Yeah, like what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, yeah. she's like, "Were you stalking me?" Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You want to make it out? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. never worked. Not that I would know. Or like the time but, he's like, I mean, he's in full makeup and like drenched and goes into her apartment and they just start making out. And I'm like, a clown just walked into your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you're just going to start making out with this? She's into it, man. Like, yeah. So my, my first watch, it really got me because I was just yeah. like, dude, your life's turning around. Right? Oh. <laughs> oh no. It's not at all. Shit. The point where he realizes that he's like making this stuff up is like it's so killer. Like wa- watching him, I think it's when he's in that stairway and he's just like realizing that like he can't trust his own brain for anything like and everyone's been lying to him and like then, yeah. he, then he just starts like being like, you know what? Fuck everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like, then he's like, it's like very taxi driver. It's very, it's like super punk as fuck. He's just like, yep. Fuck you and fuck you. And yeah. like just starts doing whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. There's, so there's a, there's a thing in the file when he's reading. And I think it was like a direction they were going to take the movie and then left this part in. Hmm. And then like changed the direction because in the file he's reading there's a sentence that talks about his mom being lobotomized which Mm. would have meant that he was also making up all the interactions between him and his mom yeah but that Uh there's also uh where the cops when she goes to the hospital yeah and like in the hospital she doesn't Respond. Do or say or respond at all. But I mean, that could be because of the stroke, right? Mm-hmm. But then the cops say something about having asked her questions and stuff. Yeah. And then so she like, flipped that out. Line, that line fixes yeah. that. But like, if they, I think that was a direction they were going to go. 
where he you was made also, up everything like me yeah and everything yeah, it'd be a lot i mean the letters and everything the i mean the whole apartment like yeah i mean it would have it i think it would have been interesting but i also think like the hereditary of the mental illness like being passed down is a better story which Even is though why he's adopted yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well i think um, unless it was they made said up. that it was like her old boyfriend that like tied him to the radiator and beat him in the head. So yes, yeah, and that's how he got the uh, the laughing. Condition. It's called what was it called? Pseudo bulber effect. It's a condition that's characterized by episodes of sudden, uncontrollable, and inappropriate laughing or crying. Uh, Pseudo bulber. Pseudo-bulbar effect typically occurs in people with certain neurological conditions or injuries, which might affect the way the brain controls emotion. This is, I mean, it's a legit, like, condition. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that, uh, so he, he's adopted. The other part that I always thought was interesting was when Festus is reading it Mm -hmm. and is like, you said, this was your mother because yeah. it's 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 like he's about to say her child died uh, so what i don't wonder is if there uh, was supposed to be another part where she or if it's just like so ambiguous that we're just supposed to fill in some of the stuff because i don't want what i wonder is if her she adopted a child the child died she stole someone else's child <laughs> and oh, he's man. the child that she stole mm. well that's fucking what <laughs> yeah no there's no. like i love this movie but there's so much like in between the lines yeah. like even having watched it as many times as i have i like watching it this time i was like they don't answer some of these questions i have yeah. but i also am filling in blanks is yeah, that what i'm supposed to do i don't or, think so i think like, you're looking way too in, way too much into some of that stuff yeah maybe i think he was just like i think festus was just like Oh, well, I don't want to be the one to tell you that you're adopted. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I don't get paid that much yeah, for that. Yeah, I'm not getting paid for that. And then he stole it. And he was like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess you can read all about it. Um, Did anybody have any other things they wanted to talk about before we get to, like, a, a segment? Uh... Not, I kind of hit everything. Like I said, I've not. Mike, you had notes before, yeah. Mike yeah. Um, what are what are what were some parts that you were like that you thought needed to be highlighted? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He said he has like a lot of good quotes throughout the movie. Um, one thing I liked in particular was uh, the funny thing about having a mental illness is that people expect you to behave as if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's like such a huge theme through the movie. I do like that they took, um, cause I think, I don't know like how many other stories, um, have the Joker, um, like starting off as a comedian. Mm. Um, but I know the killing joke, um, includes that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's touched on and in like, the I liked that animated they, series. Yeah, I like that they went with that approach. Um, and they actually had like several 
comedians, in like it. legit comedians mm-hmm. in the movie. Mark Marin. Um, Gary Goldman, Sam Morrill, uh, Brian Callen. Um, and what else did I say? The, uh, you're talking about the quotes. Um, yeah. He never says it, but you read it like five times in his journal. And so I like that one. And then I also like the other one that's highlighted a lot is I hope my death makes more sense than my life yeah. did. Yeah, that's and the one spelled that spelled since like change, mm-hmm. C and T S. And that is such like a uh like that's that's such a like deep like phrase. Because mm-hmm. he's he's broke as shit, you know, he's poor, part of the lower class, like damn near almost homeless. Yeah. And yeah, that that's just such like, like it's too like his comedy has to find like a line between the joke and reality. So it needs to be like especially today's comedy and like, you know, for a long time now, it's been more than just like punchlines and jokes. You know, it's like relatable stories and stuff and so, so there has to be a line and that's that's the thing. That's that's why I think he doesn't work as a stand-up comic because it's too dark. I mean, especially for supposed to be 81 there's there's too much realistic shit going on and like people weren't like facing the truth then like they weren't you know where the time frame this movie takes place and they weren't looking at the truth and going oh well you know this could be funny and because sometimes it wasn't and like you look back on like george carlin like some other stand-up comics at the time and like what they were saying they were saying in a funny way but it was still like this profound reading of like society right and so like his his phrases you know the one you highlighted in the um hope my death makes more sense like just those two phrases alone like are so poignant toward like life and his life in particular that it's too much and like Mm -hmm. not i mean the stand-up bit that we get is like obviously he's like doing a bad job but like it's also like that's a great scene too because you like you're you're led to believe that he turned it around like the the crowd goes dark and the uh, lights yeah. on stage go up and like there's audience laughter but it's yeah. all in his head and then you see yeah. the clip on the show and you're mm-hmm. like oh shit he's bombing like, in the he, worst fucking possible way <laughs> yeah. yeah and then to get made fun of on like live tv and like you know that's what makes murray such a bad guy is cuz and, yeah. and and the fact that Mark Marin is in it too, and they play this out so well, because you have Mark Marin who has been who has spoken out multiple times about punch down comedy and like mm-hmm. that comics need to, you know, you, you should be punching up and, you know, stop making fun of people that are lesser than you or have less than you or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's like a that's something he's been saying for years now. And he like doesn't take the side of cancel culture, but he also like defends what people have like come out and been like hey this you might think this is funny but like it's really unfair to like the people that you're talking about yeah and so like to have him on set in the show and like it's a level of meta that i don't i don't think has been recognized a lot with the movie because you you have mark maron over here and he's like no no no, you got to get this guy off because murray literally brings him on the show to make fun of him more yeah like and that's absolutely fucking ridiculous and appalling Mm-hmm. Like and then he like, you know, it just oh. Fuck it's yeah. also super fucked up because it's like happened to Joaquin. 
Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like he's been on several shows where he's like deep in some weird uh like method acting thing or whatever he's doing and he's like just being kind of weird being himself and they like bring him on to talk about something and they're just like they just make fun of him because it's a bad interview even yeah. on um there's an interview he does about this movie with I think it's uh, Jimmy Kimmel and they play a clip of him it's literally when he's like sitting in front of the mirror and he gets into an argument with like um I don't know like one of the camera guys or some somebody uh-huh. and they uh they call him Cher like they're like basically just like calling him a drama queen yeah and uh and like you know they have this little like tiff and I mean it's recorded and I don't know I guess they sent that to Jimmy to show on there and like Joaquin has no idea that this clip's about to play. What the and fuck? then like they, you know, and Jimmy kind of like he's very like casual about it, and he's like, "Oh, it's funny that you had such a good time filming this because we have this clip that kind of like says otherwise." And yeah. like afterward, he just sits there like, "Oh, well, that was supposed to be private." Yeah, like, right. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. "Um, this is awkward. Can we move on to something else?" Because mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like, it's really uh, weird that you would do that to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, Joaquin handles it really well, but it's like, wow, like, you're just going to, like, throw him under the bus like that on your yeah. show? Like, and especially, like, that's what the movie is about. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> yeah, the climax of the movie is literally <laughs> the guy you're talking to shooting a fucking late night host in yeah. the yeah. and you're gonna make fun of him on your late night show yeah i hope jimmy kimmel watched the movie in theaters and immediately shit himself well that's i i feel like they've tried to make joaquin phoenix like I've gone back and forth on whether or not I like Joaquin Phoenix because, like, there has been a lot of stuff come out about, like, how he acts on set and, like, mm-hmm. his treatment of some of the other cast members on Walk the Line, like, was not, uh-huh. like, upstanding. But, like, also to wonder, like, how were they treating him for him to respond that way? Yeah. That's like, true, is yeah. a question that I've asked. And sure. there's a there's a scene where he was doing something, or not a scene, but there's a there's a clip where he was doing something. I think he was in Nashville. And he was doing some sort of something on stage, whether it be uh, like a Q&A or some sort of stand up thing. Um, I think it was one. I think it was kind of like how Kevin Smith does his like stand up things because he's not really a stand up comic, but he like, yeah, does Q&As, Q&As and yeah. like, tells, tells, tells stories. funny stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was something like that. And this guy in the crowd starts hounding him. Yeah. Heckling. Yeah. And he's like the dude's like heckling him and like heckling the shit out of him. And it takes a while for Joaquin to like lose his shit. And, like, maybe Joaquin does have, like, some sort of anger issue, but, like, (laughs) Joaquin asked the guy, Joaquin's like, how much money is in your bank account? (laughs) And the guy's like, what? And he's like, let me show you mine. (laughs) And he, like, gets on his phone and, like, like, fucking shows it. And he's like, what's that say? Multiple millions of dollars? I can't even pronounce it or something like that. (laughs) And the guy, like, immediately shuts the fuck up. But, like, Joaquin was made out to be a bad guy. 
yeah. because of that. He, yeah. Even though he had gotten heckled for like a few minutes. Yeah, stopping a heckler and it just got spun to, for him to be a bad guy. Yeah, because yeah. he was like touting his money over like some dude who didn't have any, which I mean, yeah, is like kind of a shitty thing to do. But yeah, also but like that guy fuck hecklers. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Like fuck a heckler. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like whatever they're doing, fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Hecklers are assholes. So like, <laughs> yeah. fuck that guy. Like, I mean, it almost doesn't matter. Like, like that dude's mom could have died like two weeks ago. And if Joaquin would have like known and said something about it, then like still like, you know, fuck that guy for <laughs> showing up being an asshole. Don't be an don't, asshole. Don't start shit. Won't be shit. Like. <laughs> Agreed. Little John. Don't start no shit. Won't be no shit. Won't be no shit. <laughs> Talk shit. Get shot. Whoa. Body count. Yep. Damn. I also get that <laughs> reference. <laughs> I think uh, the thing I found really impressive was, I mean, for one, he's taken on such a huge role. And I think, because you look at like Jared Leto's approach to the character and he's like, okay, like this is a method acting job. I'm going to get super into it. I'm going to send people used condoms and snakes and just weird shit and yeah. like totally get into it and like uh joaquin didn't do that at all he was like this is a character he's like i haven't done something like this before and i'm gonna like get into character when it's time to be in character and like, yeah but he like mentions like having a really good time like on set and everything and i like his take on joker um one of my notes was like Heath's Joker is very like twitchy and yeah. I thought of them both because <laughs> I have reptiles at home, but <laughs> I thought of them both like a lot like reptiles. I'm like Heath's movements are very like lizard like and he's very twitchy and like aggressive and Joaquin yeah, is that. like very snake like and he's very like kind of coy at times and very like smooth yeah and like his whole dancing thing yes like it's all in it's so like weird and creepy but i think it's it was such a big role to like take on because it's like you're expected to top heath's performance yeah and yeah. i think i think he was able to do that like really well like not necessarily like going over what's already been done but having a really good take yeah. on the character and making it kind of his own yeah making it his own being different but still like kind of kind of true to where it's been before yeah yeah i i agree with that and there's been a i was i was reading uh from some one of the shitty fucking internet publishers uh it was i don't think it was comicbooks.com but it was one of the people like that they were doing a thing doing an expose on the on the joker as a character and they were talking about basically how like since we've had heath everyone's just tried to imitate him and yeah. like so on and so forth and like i don't agree with that because i feel I mean, like jared leto have yeah jared leto and joaquin phoenix both uh, tried to come in and like make the character their own yeah. yeah, and so like, but Heath's performance is like the the performance to top, right? Like, yeah. it it was just so like astounding and altogether. And but like, Joaquin comes in and just gives everything he has to this character. 
mm-hmm. and like strained his uh the other thing was he like strained his voice and vocal cords and like almost fucked up all of his shit for good over that laugh mm. like oh yeah yeah he like had to i think he had to have surgery after the movie and like he like Damn. or he like had to have some sort of therapy done um but so he really gave it, it gave it its all and like the between the dance scene and when when he walks out on stage uh on the on the late night show like he's not the joker until he walks out on stage yeah, yeah. and then he is the joker and like, like he's i looked got over the at shane shoot, like he's yeah. all He's, yeah, he's all done up. He's like full get up, full like class act. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. and he's like so confident in that moment. And I think that that's also like a sign of the amazing acting Joaquin Phoenix does is because like he's discovering himself throughout the movie. And then mm-hmm. like you can pinpoint the moment he has found who he is. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. it's so fucking good. Uh, and. I looked over at Shane and I was like, I need more of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Like I need more of this. And I would agree. What I'm hoping happens is he's like, he's the older Joker in like the Matt Reeves stuff that like paved the way for like Barry Keoghan's. I can't say his name. Keegan. For like, <laughs> is it just Keegan? I think so. I don't know. So I hope I hope that he's like the Joker that paved the way because there's a whole comic book arc with three Jokers, right? And like they should do that. Like you have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker who started in like it's fuck it started in '81, and like he's just like created this movement and became like a staple, and then like it gets like drenched and drowned out, and then he like comes back in like these Matt Reeves movies at some point. And that would like, be pretty cool. Actually, yeah. it would work. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing. Like, there's nothing. They don't do anything in this movie that could, aside from the actors of like Thomas and Martha and little Bruce, like being different than what you see in uh, the Batman. Like, aside from those actors being different, there's not mm-hmm. anything that they do that they couldn't fix with a couple of lines of dialogue. Like as far as like incorporating it in. And yeah. I think that, that would be a smart move for DC and Warner brothers to do, uh, because then you're not like creating the, like I'll, I'll watch all the movies, but like for casual fans, like it, you could weave it in to make sense where it's all like goes together. And I think that, I think that this Joker movie should have been, and hopefully is like the new starting point for Warner brothers. I've seen, there's supposedly a sequel in the works, but yeah. I don't know how legit We're supposed to get is. it at 2023. Yeah. Ooh. So it should be going into production Which I was really soon. surprised to see, because I, at least just from interviews I watched, it seemed like Todd Phillips and um, Joaquin like didn't have intent, like intended for this to be like more standalone, really. Yeah, one-off. Yeah. Yeah. But, also, Bradley Cooper is a producer on this. <laughs> yeah, he, really? yeah. He that. That. yeah, that really surprised me. How weird is that? I think we're just starting to get like, like, because Bradley Cooper is like super talented. Yeah. And he's like, hasn't done a lot of great, great movies. He did like a fuck ton of romantic comedies. 
Mm. But like, I think we're really starting to get like the depth of Bradley Cooper and what he's going to do over the course of the rest of his life, as far as like being a star in yeah. Hollywood. We're also getting like the people. It's it's weird for us because of our age and stuff. But like, we're getting the people that we grew up watching being like twenty year olds in movies. They're like forty. Yeah, and 50. side characters. And... So now they're like they have a bunch of money, so they're becoming producers they're becoming directors like they're going into the other jobs and we're like oh man this is weird but like other people have been seeing that shit happen for years right like they grew up with robert redford and then robert redford became a producer and a director and a writer and all that stuff yeah so like and like clint eastwood and shit like that so it's like it's it's just weird for us because we're seeing people that we grew up with yeah, it's super weird right. when Bryce Dallas Howard's name comes across the screen as director. I'm yeah. super proud of her, and I love what she's done. Yeah. Like she's done a lot yeah. of the Star Wars stuff for Disney mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, and so like, I like I'm excited to see like where she goes. Like, yeah, it, it is super weird. Like I don't know how many time, how many Matthew McConaughey movies I've seen Bradley Cooper be a side character in, and then oh. just one day he was like. Hey, I can be a leading guy, and Hangover. then he was, yeah. <laughs> Eighteen. Oh, which actually that makes sense because yeah. Todd Phillips is the director of the Hangover movies yeah. and Due Date. So, like, this was a really weird fucking movie for him to do. Yeah, and yeah. he was so before doing it, he was like, "I think I have something darker in me." Around like Hangover Two, and he was like talking about how dark Hangover the Hangover movies actually are. Like, if you look at them from not, like, a comedic lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, they're super fucking dark. Yeah. I watched <laughs> one and two, the like, a few weeks ago, and I was just like, what the fuck? All these people are <laughs> fucked up. Oh, yeah. This is, like, worse than anything. Like, the only, the only one I can think of that's worse than that is really is, like, very bad things. Right? Because, like, somebody yeah. actually dies in the very bad things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, two people. Well, all of them die except two people, but they like specifically murder two people at the beginning. Very bad things should be considered a staple of dark comedies. Yeah. Instead, Death to Smoochie is. I mean, Death to Smoochie is good too, but like. I need to watch it again. I haven't. It's been a long time. I haven't been watched it since I was younger, and I was like, Robin Williams isn't a bad guy. (laughs) I think everybody in that movie is a bad guy. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's any good guys in the movie. I got 11 and a half minutes left. On your mm-hmm. thing. Do we want to go... Did you have it as our special, super special, awesome, ultimate, penultimate <laughs> guest? We're using you for all of the content of the show, mm-hmm. other than yeah. me and Russell at the beginning talking for 10 minutes apiece. Um, so, in high school, we had... Like during Spirit Week, we had this thing that was um, one of the days was, would you still be my friend if I dressed like this day? And I went in full um, Joker getup, mm. that being Heath Ledger's Joker, because mm-hmm. it was uh, that time. That time. Yep. <laughs> and uh, that was so much fun. Because I just messed with people all day long. Yeah. <laughs> all I had to do was look at them. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, you know, just doing that for like a day is mm-hmm. like crazy. And I'm like, and there's people, you know, he like put his whole life into it. Yeah. To like, it kind of, I mean, 
I mean, I don't know exactly what led to uh, his death, but I I think there's some speculation that playing this character had a lot on his mental health. Yeah, and I mean, like, we talked about that a little bit. Like, there was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of speculation just in general about everything like, surrounding his death. Like, I played around with it for like a day. And, yeah, you know, like that is a that is a tempting little thing to play with, right? To just yeah. Be like, Hey, let's mess with people all the time and just like yeah, you want to do go it go crazy. Maybe you want to do it every day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is Mike's descendant to madness. Uh, well, don't right? end up on the news in a few weeks. Like it yeah. is, it's tempting to be a clown. Be a clown. <laughs> what am I funny to you? Like a clown? Yeah, that's all I had. Okay. So you want to go under the cowl? I would go under the cowl. <laughs> My favorite part. <laughs> it's his favorite part too. It is my favorite part too. What's uh, under your cow, Dave? Uh so what's under my cow? This is this is the last under the cowl. Everyone, there's a moment of silence for this segment. Uh so <laughs> I want to say it again. Uh, so uh this I'm gonna give you. A weird Batman villain. Yeah. And we all know this by now. It's a household segment. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going to give you a gadget. Okay. And I would usually give you a comic, but I didn't have a chance to finish any comics. Oh, my God. I know it's the I last. I just started one. Oh, my... you know what? Give us your take, then, on that one. Right now? Not right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mike's going to give it. <laughs> I actually got one. Like, I, I saw my parents a couple weeks ago, and, like... They gave me like a late birthday present, and it was a Batman comic. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. it's like a hardcover of Batman Noir. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of cool. And I don't, I don't want to handle it because it, it's pure white on the outside. Oh God! Oh man! With no, with no jacket, <laughs> dust cover. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah it's, it's just like a like the like canvas kind of hardcover binding yeah. and it's oh, pure white i'm just like ah. <laughs> i'm gonna get barbecue on this uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you guys ready for a weird villain yes yes of course uh this is crazy quilt oh yeah crazy quilt. i'm not i'm not ready i changed wrong <laughs> i'm surprised we didn't get condiment king i was i attempt i was tempted condiment king. condom king sounds like a great villain Condom King. No. Yeah. I don't know why he sounds like that. <laughs> uh, so Paul Decker, aka Crazy Quilt, is an enemy of Batman. That's it. Uh, <laughs> next, next segment. <laughs> uh, he was a painter who was driven insane, causing him to commit crimes themed around colors and quilts. In the New Fifty Two, he was reimagined as a deranged, mad geneticist slash artist named Dr. Paul Decker, who's obsessed with studying immortality, leading him to quilt life in unnatural and horrific ways. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Well. Uh, Crazy Quilt is a noted painter who leads a double life as a crime lord. He gives the plans for his crimes to various henchmen through clues left in his paintings. His criminal empire crashes to a halt when one of his henchmen double-crosses him and sets him up to be arrested. An attempt during the melee on uh, Quilt's life went awry and damaged his eyesight with his underlings holding a surgeon at gunpoint. 
He volunteers for an experimental procedure that restores his vision. Quilt underwent surgery, but awoke to find himself afflicted with a unique form of colorblindness, one that permitted him to see only bright colors. He can see, but his vision is blindingly vivid and disorientating. It drives him insane, and he takes on the guise of crazy quilt. <laughs> the doctor was gunned down, and the painter adopted a multi-hued costume and a helmet equipped with multicolored spotlights. It's like a helm of brilliance. Yeah, helm of brilliance. It's real bright. I thought he was going to like don his grandma's quilt as a cape. His grandma's old quilt. Did you guys do that when you were kids? Duh. Yeah. Put on like the throw, like tie it around your neck, oh, run yeah. around. Hell yeah. I was yeah. a Superman. Was Not super my grandma's. And wearing nothing cool. else. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably when I was real little. I definitely did. <laughs> nice. That was crazy quilt. Crazy quilt. Uh, got you a gadget. I like gadgets. Yeah, about gadgets. Uh, this is the Exoframe bat suit. Whoa. Also known as the powered bat suit, is a mechanical bat suit used to take on superpowered threats, namely Superman. Oh. It was originally sent by the Earth Thirty One Batman to fight Superman. Used, sorry, used by him. Uh, the suit is built for the intention of fighting Superman. It has mechanisms which enhance uh, Batman's strength and durability so that he can go toe-to-toe with the Man of Steel. Uh, some of the functions are uh, strength enhancement. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to Bruce's normal bat suit during his resurgence as Batman, the exo-frame bat suit had... Me- um, come on, Dave. We're not going to read. Uh, Beth had mechanics which strengthened his body. Okay. There was the electrified gauntlets. Oh. The suit had enough electrifying power from his gauntlets to electrify a weakened Superman. This process also shocked Bruce while using it. There was a power cable. This was a power cable near the suit's waist, which could redirect energy in Gotham's power lines to the bat suit. What wasn't used for electrifying Superman and shocking Bruce awake was used to power the suit. Uh, soundproofing, the helmet of the suit was made to cut off loud sounds, making Bruce effectively deaf while wearing it. And there were spiked cleats. The suit had spiked metal cleats, which Batman used to jab into Superman's face. Fuck Curb Superman's stomp face. Yeah. Curb stomp Superman. Well, don't piss into the wind. Yeah. Don't tug on Superman's cape. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did more than talk on his cake. I think he did too. Uh, but yeah, that was. We're the... talking about another pump and dump. <laughs> that's nah, from last week. That's from uh, last week. Um, but yeah, the powered bat suit. Awesome, sweet. Uh, it kind of was a Batman for Superman. Affleck kind of used one something similar. Yeah, it's modeled after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I normally would talk about a comic, but I didn't read one. But Mike read one. I read one. I've read several. Um, but one that uh, just started last week is Batman Fortress. And uh, so the premise is like the whole world is without electricity. Like it's a blackout like worldwide. Wow. Okay. And uh, so crime is like running rampant. Because everyone's just running around in the dark making crimes. 
um, making crimes. For, for I guess Arkham has been like, oh, you know how they have those new electric locks on all the doors? Yeah. Like, let's do that. So they all popped open. Yeah. So like Penguin and Joker and everybody are just running around, which like within just like the first like issue, he already takes care of that. He's just like, what are you doing? Get, <laughs> get back in there. Get, get in there. And um, so then he's like, well, obviously this is a really big problem, so I should get Justice League together. And he does that, but they're like, oh, we can't get a hold of Clark. So this must be really bad. And uh, then it ends. That's, that's the first issue. That's how it goes. Is huh. total blackout. Assembles the Justice League. No one knows where Superman is. Because that seems to be his thing. But, huh. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Batman Fortress? Fortress. Because of something I said during the Justice League episode. If you're going to write Justice League and you want to put them in a really bad situation, you have to take Superman off the table. Yeah. So I hope they ended up doing it in a very creative way. And you've kind of made yeah. me want to read that. I think that. it's, I want to say there's going to be eight issues. Like it's just like, like a, a small run, short did, run. Did you yeah. buy the singles? Where are you reading this at? Yeah. The, yeah. the first issue just came out. I didn't, I didn't, like DC is supposed to be doing or is doing. I don't know how their like electronic platform works. Like Marvel has Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. So I don't know if DC is something like that. I think they do. I think they have some sort of comic app because i have marvel unlimited but i'm not trying to do dc and marvel and pay like 20 bucks a month to do nothing but read read unlimited comics already do that (laughs) i just pay for them individually that sounds cool though i'm gonna check that out that one's cool they're doing a shadow war thing with batman right now that kind of spans across him deathstroke and robin Ooh, okay. Um, it's a little like event that's leading up to another big event. And then there's just like the regular like Batman run I've been reading. There's there's just so much. So much Batman. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Awesome. I like Sounds having good. Mike here, so I'll take a little pressure <laughs> off me. <laughs> uh this has been the final under the cowl. Rest in peace. Cowl. Rip. <laughs> cowl. Uh, we want to go to the corner? Yeah, let's swing on down to the corner one more time. Oh, we can invite Mike to the corner for the yeah, first time. Yeah, going down to the corner. Sounds safe. Yeah, it's, it's very super safe. Because uh, <laughs> this is Dave's <laughs> Trivia Corner. Deals Trivia Corner! See, Shane does it. You thought it was like a production thing? Shane does it the whole time. I'll admit, some of these things I thought were like a soundboard. <laughs> it is. It's a Shane board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't talk about the corner. The point of this corner is for you to say. Ooh, neat. Yeah, fucked it all up. Thank you. <laughs> so, if you feel, if you, if you find something that's neat, Mike, feel free to say that. All right. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix called perfecting the Joker's laugh the toughest part of playing the character. It's understandable. I, yeah, I get it. 
uh, Walking Phoenix. I like calling Walking Phoenix. Uh, based his laugh on videos of people suffering from pathological laughter. He also mm. sought to portray a character with which audiences could not identify. Pathological laughter is a real-life disorder, which causes that the patient suffers an incontrollable laugh, a, a attack as response for intense or stress situations. Although, isn't usual, these attacks can stop the normal flux of oxygen to the brain or lungs, causing uh, hypoxia? Or mm-hmm. even asphyxia in the patient. Neat. Like they just won't stop. <laughs> I got one. I got one for Mike. Uh, in a recent interview uh, with SFX Magazine, Joaquin Phoenix acknowledged that uh, that while the violence in the Joker is a little more visceral and law and raw uh, than films such as the Avengers series, he didn't have any hesitation about it. He always wanted it to feel real, and you want. The little violence that we have to have an impact, he said. Uh, what happens in a lot of movies is that you get numb to it. You're killing 40,000 people, you don't feel it. While being a fictional story in a fictional world, you always want it to feel real. Everything that happens in this movie, as far as violence goes, you feel it. Yeah. And that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, this is the first R-rated movie in history to make one billion worldwide. Holy shit. Damn. damn. Ooh. Neat. I got two. <laughs> and I got some dams. I got some dams. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix said about the 52 pound weight loss. Uh, once you reach the target weight, everything changes. Like, so much of what's difficult is waking up every day and being obsessed over like 0.3 pounds, right? And you really develop like a disorder. I mean, it's wild. But I think the interesting thing for me is that I had expected and anticipated the weight loss was feelings of dissatisfaction, hunger, a certain kind of vulnerability, and a weakness. But what I did anticipate was the feeling of a kind of fluidity that I felt physically. I felt like I would move my body in ways that I hadn't been able to before, and I think that really lent itself to some of the physical movement that yeah. started to emerge as an important part of the character. So we can yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Tom Phillips described uh, Todd Phillips, not Tom. Uh, Jeez. I'm fucking it all up, man. Oh, it's okay, buddy. Sorry. Maybe I'm having a stroke. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, Penny. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Todd Phillips described Joaquin Phoenix's take on Arthur as a guy who is searching for identity who mistakenly becomes a symbol. His goal generally is to make people laugh and bring joy to the world. Uh, got a few more. Let's do it. You ready, Russell? Yeah. Uh, speaking about the villain, villain's iconic laugh, Joaquin Phoenix called it something that is almost painful. I think for Joker, it's a part of him that wants to emerge. I think we all kind of assume what a Joker laugh is, and it felt like a new, fresh way of looking at it. I didn't think I could do it, he added. I kind of practiced alone, but I asked Todd to come over to audition my laugh. I felt like I had to be able to do it on the spot and in front of somebody else. It was really uncomfortable. It took me a long time. Mm. And I think he nails it, like especially towards the end of it. That's it's a very like, odd laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I love when uh, he's in the comedy club and like everyone else like laughs, and then he, 
He laughs like at a different part of the he's, joke. Yeah, he's yes. laughing at the like, setups. Yeah, and then there, everyone else is laughing at the punchline, and then yeah. he's like, "What are you guys laughing at?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's such a good scene, and the way it's fucking shot, uh, the cinematography for this movie we didn't talk about, but it's fucking beautiful. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, last one. Okay. Uh, the joke when I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now is a paraphrase of a joke written by a much-loved late British comedian, actor, and music hall vaudeville performer, Bob Monkhouse. Hmm. Uh, Bob Monkhouse's people used to laugh at me when I said I wanted to be a comedian. Well, they're not laughing now. Interestingly, interestingly, Bob Monkhouse famously had hundreds of handwritten books of jokes that he had written over his long career in much the same vein as Arthur's joke book. Huh. That's neat. Yeah. That is neat. I got several neats this one. Hell I'll g- yeah. I'll give you a super neat. Ooh, I got a super neat. The first He's super just neat. trying to fucking kiss your ass. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's a nice ass. Not really. It's lack of ass. I have Hank Hill butt. Lack but anyways. <laughs> Why would you say it like I that? I was waiting for it. <laughs> Hank Hill butt. Uh, anyways, this has been Dave's Trivia Corner. Huh. That was neat. Neat. All right. Usually you set me. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I'm trying weird things now. (laughs) He's just been thrown so far off. (laughs) Just riffing. Um, So you guys ready to fuck this pig? I'm ready to rape this bitch. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this movie... I think I want to say like a eight point nine. Hmm. Um, I think it's really good. Um, there isn't really like a problem with it. It's just like I'm not as into it as everyone else is. I think that's all. That's that's my problem with it. I'm just not into it as much as everyone else. Fair. But like I, I recognize that it's very good. Yeah, and I don't think, like I said, I don't think there's really any problems with it. It's some of the the characterization and stuff. I'm I'm putting it down to it being um, Arthur's perspective, yeah, um, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really good. I'm gonna give it an eight nine. Nice, uh, Russell. What do you got? I. Would put this movie on a list of 100 movies that you should watch before you die. Which I've been slowly coming up with my own list of 100 movies you should watch before you die. Uh, I will have it completed hopefully this year. Um, But I think this movie is just like so fucking profound. And like it you take this character like the Joker who has all this like he just he has all this clout like the character does like you hear the name Joker you would instantly think of this character like I could call some random person not even referencing the Joker like I'd be like oh you fucking Joker you and like I'm gonna think they're gonna think like for the most part everyone in the room is gonna like immediately visualize the Joker in their head you have such an iconic character that you take and you drag down 
and not a bad way, but you drag him down to like a humane level and you put him in this like indie art house film and you just turn this into something so reverent that I have trouble getting over how good this movie is. And well, I fully respect like not being that into it because this isn't a movie for everybody. This isn't a movie I would necessarily like, I think everyone should watch it, but like I, there would be like a, like a warning of sorts that would come with that. Like, Hey, like, you know, you should check this movie out. Like, I don't know if you're into this kind of movie, but this is what I think one of the best films ever made is. And, uh, top 100. I don't know where it's at on the hundred. I got to figure that out, but it's on there. And, uh, there are some part. My only real problem is there are some parts that feel derivative. Um, cause it is kind of like you took fight club and like added some, some of your own original stuff to it. And then like made a movie with like an iconic character. Yeah, Taxi Driver, yeah. Taxi Driver, Fight Club. You know, take those two movies, add some originality to it, and add an iconic character, and that's pretty much like this movie. But I'm only deducting point five for that because I feel like the execution of this movie was damn near perfect. Um, I don't know that I have any critiques that would make this movie better. Um, so I'm going to give it a nine point five. Nice. Okay. Uh, let's go with Mike. I really like this movie. Um, Joker's already a character that I really like anyway. Um, I generally watch Batman movies for the villains. Um, and I, I think this movie, be it a like comic book movie or not, like it's just a really well done movie. That focus, I really enjoy things that like just really zero in on one character and just get super deep with that one, um, one idea, one concept. Um, and I like, I want more comic book movies that'll do that and Mm -hmm. just go like as deep as they can with a character. Um, yeah, like I. I think this movie's nearly perfect. Um, my only, my only gripe with it is that, um, while I enjoy like having like your own take or having like a fresh take on something, I wish there was more things that kind of like, kind of colored in the lines a little more, like the whole him being Arthur Fleck and him being like not. It being a Joker, but not the Batman's Joker. Like, I mean, it's a cool concept, and I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see someone trying to play by the rules and, like, trying to see what they can do with that character and how deep they can go yeah. with that. Rather than be like, well... We're going to do our own It feels thing. a little easier to me to, yeah. like, do your own thing. Yeah. Which is still, like, really cool. And I really, I mean, I appreciate the hell out of this movie. And, like, it's an awesome concept. But I still, like, I want, like, a super deep, like, Jack Napier 
Like, like, what's he all about? Like, yeah. Because all we really get is like, yeah, he fell into a vat of some acid and now he's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know that we're going to get that. I'm really excited to see what this new Joker is going to be like. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think they just keep getting better and better. Um, but yeah, I'd say 9.5 cause okay. I think it's nearly perfect. That's my only, um, complaint, I guess. Sure. Just that. I want something a little more legit, I guess. Yeah. You want but, Batman's Joker. Yeah. I want the, and like I want the, the real dive deal. into that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Dave? Um, I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, for being this the first time that I've watched it, like, I, there wasn't a reason I didn't watch it. I just really haven't had a chance. Yeah, sure. Uh, I fucking love it. Like, I like that kind of movie. Like, it's super dark. Uh, Every every character, like everyone, did a really good job, like acting wise, mm, mm-hmm, the whole mm-hmm. blending of like Arthur's perspective and stuff. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it again. Maybe mm-hmm. this week I'll watch it again. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, give it a nine. All right. So for the last movie in our uh, Batman deep dive, we've got a eight point nine, two nine point fives, and a nine. So for pretty the Joker. high. Yeah. Pretty high. Pretty high ratings. <clears throat> so that's gonna do it for this episode of DQP Does, where we were finishing, concluding our uh, March Batness in May and April and June. <laughs> the first half of the year, basically. Um, Where were we going next, guys? We talked about a few different things. Yeah, I was wondering what we were gonna do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. And we're gonna <laughs> post it on Facebook and we'll You'll see out. what we're doing next week when it's uploaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to get a hold of us or follow us on anything, um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Search Drafty Quarters Productions. Same thing on YouTube. We put the DQP Weekly up on there. Um, once actually video, you can see our ugly faces. Um, except for you know, Dave, he's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Uh, you can talk to us directly, draftyq at gmail.com. We might read your email on the weekly if you ask interesting questions or just like say weird shit. Um, you can also find us on Patreon. We would love it if you would donate one dollar. Uh, that we do have some content up there. Um, just again, search Drafty Quarters Productions. Um, we need new equipment, apparently. <laughs> We've been having some technical difficulties this evening. Uh, but yeah, if you guys, if everybody gives us a dollar, we'd have like three dollars. Everyone that we that listens to us, <laughs> hell yeah, we get <laughs> now we'd have Big like Mac. seven dollars or something, <laughs> seven dollars a month. <laughs> And that won't really cover anything. So we need need you guys to tell your friends and to have their friends tell their friends to listen to a bunch of guys talk about shit every week. Sometimes we talk <laughs> and, about shit and donate donate to us as Pump well. Just dump. give us money. Um, <laughs> give us free money, please. I'm begging you. So thanks for listening. This has been DQB. Does have a wonderful evening. Bye. Bye. You don't listen, do you? 
I don't think you ever really hear me. You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. This has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.